Hi everyone, this is the Rancho Cordova podcast brought to you by the California Capital Film Office. I'm Charles Lego. On this week's episode, we speak to Mark Saposnik, the president and CEO of Visit Rancho, also known as Rancho Cordova Travel and Tourism, which is the official tourism marketing organization for the city of Rancho Cordova. So what is a typical day at work for Mark Saposnik? Well, the great thing is the typical day almost doesn't exist. It's uh, everything. Is, it's so varied right. what will happen on a daily basis. So, um, you know, for instance, today we're working with uh, Cal Fire because the mosquito fire is taking place up the hill now. And we are often, unfortunately, during these these fires, we become a, a base camp for Cal Fire and some of the other emergency Visit Rancho provides visitors with resources for a memorable stay in Rancho Cordova. Whether for a family weekend getaway, attendance at a sports tournament, or an enhanced business trip. Mark and I discussed everything from how he markets the city of Rancho Cordova nationally and even globally. We discussed the many events that happen in our city, including the granddaddy of them all, the Capital Air Show. And we even found out that Mark is an avid skier, he's an author and a painter, truly a jack of all trades. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Mark Saposnik. So let's start with you telling our listeners what the organization Visit Rancho Cordova is, what it does for the city, residents and visitors. Yeah. So again, you know, thanks for having me in today, Charles. I really appreciate it. So visit Rancho Cordova, which is the brand name under which we operate. We're the tourism bureau for the city of Rancho Cordova. And really what our job is, we're tasked with bringing people to the city uh, generally for overnight stays and making sure that they have a great time when they're here. Uh, So we're kind of managers of the destination. Uh, and, you know, encourage people to come for a variety of reasons. We work with groups. We work with leisure travelers and, of course, business travelers that are very important to our market. So, yeah, there uh, are several aspects of what we do, but we're at our core, really a marketing agency for the city of Rancho. City of Rancho. Yeah. And we will get into how you do that as we move along. When was Visit Rancho Cordova founded? Is it something that just happened one day or how did it come about? Yeah. So at one point, Visit Rancho Cordova and with our district here, uh, we can go into more details on that a little bit later as well. But our district was founded in 2010. Uh-huh. At one point, it was part of Visit Sacramento's district. Uh, and the hoteliers here felt that they could do better with a little bit of autonomy. And uh, so they made that effort to create their own district. And so that was formed in 2010. In 2011, it really kicked off in earnest. And that's when the organization came to be. Okay, so this was after the city was incorporated. Yes. So when the city, before the city was incorporated, the tourism part and the hotels section of Rancho came under Sacramento? Yeah, when the city was founded here, yeah, actually okay. it was all just part of part the of Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah. And then in 2015, the Rancho Cordova Travel and Tourism announced that you had assumed the role of director for the nonprofit organization and that you brought over 20 years of tourism and hospitality experience to the table. So tell us a little about your travel and tourism um, experience. Yeah, so this is a really great question. I ended up uh, in travel and tourism by accident, really, about uh, 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. I was living and working up at Lake Tahoe, 
working in the ski industry and had kind of a career-ending injury. So that career went by the wayside, but I had the ability to write and really um, had the opportunity then to do something for the Visitor Bureau, the Visitor's Bureau up in uh, North Lake Tahoe, and I assumed the role of a public relations manager at that point. Um, which was a terrific job. Absolutely, you know, what a great destination to represent and uh, really learned a lot about the industry in that position. Uh, and and because of that, you know, it kind of um, solidified my real love and passion for this industry. Uh, and I've kind of taken a number of jobs ever since then that have led me to this place where I am now. Wow. So when you say in the ski industry, were you then you had an injury? So were you a skier? I was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I Something was... I've never gotten into. I went skiing <laughs> in Austria um, years ago when I was in England, and oh, it was it was. I spent most of my time up in the. I was to get the ski lift and just sit there while my friends went skiing. <laughs> I never got into it. Sure. Well, the views are great from up at yeah, top yeah. of the mountain, of course, right. too. Right. But yeah. I, uh, was you know heavily involved in the industry wow, for okay. a long period of time. I worked as a sales and technical rep for a, a ski company. We also had bindings and boots that we wow, represented okay. as well. So the equipment? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. I would have never thought you were a skier. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to know more about Visit Rancho Cordova and the many attributes that the organization brings to the city. Let's get to know Mark Saposnik a little. So tell us, where were you born and tell us about your early life? Yeah, so I was born in Hollywood, California. Wow. One of the few that can claim that. A lot of right. people move there later in life. Right, right. But I was actually born, my parents uh, lived in an apartment off of Western and uh, was born there and, and really uh, only spent a couple of years in Hollywood before uh, my parents decided it would be better to be in a house out in the San Fernando Valley. And so they moved out to Chatsworth wow. uh, when I was about two and a half years old. Okay. Uh, and then essentially I grew up in that house all the way, you know, up until college. And um, So you went to school and everything in L.A.? I did. Wow. Yeah. So tell us about your parents. Yeah. Who were they? What did they do? Sure. Yeah. So my dad, he was a um, he worked in the school district as a teacher early on, and then later on became director of curriculum with LA Unified School District. Wow, okay. So he moved up the chain a little bit. In the meantime, he also had a side job, which ultimately became his full time job. And he was had an accounting firm, and he did taxes, and he really focused on that as a specialty. And um, eventually, he broke off from the school district, decided, hey, I'm going to become an accountant. An accountant. And wow. he opened up a firm and did really well. Wow, very you know, nice. In that. Yeah. And, uh, and did your mother work or was she a housewife? Yeah. So a little bit of each. I'm yeah. one of, I have three other siblings. Um, I was the oldest of the four siblings growing up. And my mom, at times, was a stay at home mom. But there were other times, too, where she. Uh, worked for the either the business. She spent a little time working for a local community college um, and did some other things. And, um, yeah, so I think, you know, she was definitely there for us as kids, but she also helped out a little bit, wow. too. So, so you grew up in L.A., essentially. Which high school did you go to? Yeah, I went to Chatsworth High School wow, out in the that. West yeah. San Fernando Valley. Um you know, and, and high school actually was, you know, a good experience. You, you like school? Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, you a good, a good student. I was a mediocre student, yeah. but I enjoyed certain aspects of school. Uh, I loved, you know, English was always a, a subject I found very interesting and uh, ultimately went on to get a degree in English and creative writing at the university level. Uh, but, um, you know, I found biology and other subjects very fascinating as well. 
Am I, did I read correctly that you went to UC Northridge? Or, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you, so that was right there. You didn't really move very far. Exactly, yeah. So I, you could go to college and stay at home? Yes. Yeah? Okay. And actually, my parents were so kind to let me stay in the house until I completed you know, my uh, university yeah. studies. And um, yeah, and it turned out to be a great thing. Our house was always a place of activity, kind of a gathering place for other people in the neighborhood and so forth. And um, so it was a good environment. It was always a fun environment. So college was English? That was your major? Yes. Yeah. So what was your plan after college? Yeah. So this is a point where my dad, who had, you know, had been, you know, director of curriculum and had an accounting business, he was like, what are you doing, <laughs> you know, pursuing English? And I said, you know, it's my, you know, it's my passion. And uh, so I, my plan was to write, uh, write books and write poetry. Be an author? And be an author. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and so um, I thought I'd be the next Faulkner. Yeah, yeah. And so after college, I did. I moved to Lake Tahoe. I only took a part-time job initially, and I spent a good part of my time just writing, um, primarily short fiction, but uh, some longer fiction and, and poetry as well. And did you try and get it published? I did. And did you? And I did. Wow. Yes. So, yeah. And, and ironically, I'd been published at the age of 10 uh, in a national publication uh, for short fiction, and um, my mom was a big influence on this. She she was an English major as well, you know, very creative spirit. And so she really encouraged the writing from a young age. And did you have a particular genre that you would write? Yeah, you know, the uh, fiction I would write as a kid was a little bit different than what I was writing as an adult. Um, but I would say, you know, just it, it would fall in the literary fiction realm, especially later on, um, with some things that were, you know, harder hitting issues and so forth. And addressing some of that, um, but yeah, it's you know. So no was, books. You didn't write a book, a I, novel. I have one that is. I never put it together uh, as a book, but essentially completed the work itself. So, you still yeah. have it? I do. Yeah, you're, you're going to get it published. Uh, we'll see. You know, yeah. with self-publishing these days, it's so much different right. than it was back in the day. Uh, so yeah, it's something that I might consider. Yeah. Okay. Do you still write? I do. Fiction? A fiction, a little bit. I have yeah. two short stories I'm working on right now. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, it's still a passion in my life. Obviously, my day job keeps me quite busy. So, to be honest, I have less time than I have had in prior years right, to, right. to be able to work on this. So, authors actually are fascinating people, professional authors, authors that do it. Yeah. So, what is your write-in practice? Do you get up early in the morning and write for four hours or are you a late person? What's your writing practice? I'm a late night person. Late so, night? Yeah. I'm basically an insomniac. So right. when the house gets quiet about 10 o'clock or so, that's usually when I sit down at the computer and then start working. Wow. Um, and, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And many writers do. They'll yeah. get up. They're very disciplined. They'll get up and they work for a certain right. amount of hours in the morning. In my case, you know, kind of late night is a good time for me. My really? brain is still alert. Still going. Yep. And uh, I enjoy that time when you have that peace and quiet when you can really So if you start at 10 p.m., what time would you go till? You know, it could in the old days, I would have gone until, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning. Wow. But nowadays, obviously, it's not quite that right, late. Right. I'll, I'll make sure yeah. I'm wrapped up by midnight or 1. So when you left college, you moved to Lake Tahoe? Yes. To be a writer? To be a writer and to work in the ski industry, which I had already been oh, okay. doing. So that was your early job in the ski industry? Yes. So what what got you interested in skiing? So I uh, had 
been fortunate to be part of a group in junior high school. I guess they call it middle high school these days, but in junior high school where they would take us on trips up to the local mountains. This was in Southern California, and we took trips up to Mountain High. There was a resort at the time called Ski Sunrise, which is part of Mountain High now. And and uh, just getting that experience on the snow, uh, you know, really, I was hooked from the wow. beginning. You know, wow. like, wow, this is fun. And uh, I had uh, friends who were doing the same thing involved in these classes, and they were friends that lived down the street. And so our parents would take us up skiing, and, and it really just, you know, was a so great did experience. You, did you become an accomplished skier? Yeah, I think at a pretty high yeah. level, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. and uh, So you would go straight down the mountain? Well, sometimes uh-huh. straight down the mountain, you uh-huh. know, more yeah. more times than not, you know, making a few turns here and right, there, right. of yeah. course. But, uh, no, I felt I felt good about what I had accomplished as a skier, you know, kind of leading up to the, the injury. So you moved to Lake Tahoe with the view of becoming a rider, but then you get involved in the ski industry. That was your work. That's how you made money? Yes. So is that it? That was so you didn't have the McDonald's and all the early jobs that people have. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I did have I had Burger King. Burger King. Yeah, yeah. that was my first real job when right. I was 16 years old. Um, so I did have those experiences. I did work in a clothing company. I worked, you know, kind of on the accounting side in a clothing company when I was um, in my latter days of high school. Uh, and then, yeah, and I worked for a, a grocery store uh, in the early part of college. Um, you know, working stocking shelves and right. tearing apart boxes and all of those types of things. And that's what makes the experiences, right, for a young person, all these oh, different... Abs- yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so when did... So you were in Lake Tahoe. When did you move to Rancho, Cordova? Yeah. Well, not Rancho, because I don't even know if you live in Rancho, but this area, this general area. Yeah, so it was uh, in 2009, uh, the time... I was married, and we ended up purchasing a home down here in the in the greater capital region. Right. Um, we're actually over in Roseville. And um, so, yeah, so I came down at that time, um, and I was still going back and forth with a job. I continued at Lake Tahoe, uh, but essentially our home was down here. Okay. And that's when we made, you know, made the formal move to right, the region. Right, right. So now let's get into a little more detail about the organization Visit Rancho, which you oversee. How many people work at Visit Rancho? What size of an organization is it? Yeah, at this point, we are eight full-time employees. Eight? Yes. Wow. So we really expanded. Okay. Uh, you know, I was just finishing up our annual report and putting the, the final touches on that. And I was looking back, you know, in, uh, in 2020, when the pandemic began, we were a two-person operation. Uh, we went through a renewal for our tourism business improvement district that allowed us to uh, have a little additional funding, even though we were battling all of the challenges that COVID brought with it. But we were able to up our budget and we're in a position now where we were able to add staff. So we went from two uh, to eight in, in a, two years. In two years. Wow. Yeah. That's some growth right there. There's some serious growth on that front, and, and we're able to do so much more. Did that bring challenges and that quickly to, like, as you and another person, and now all of a sudden you've got six other people? Does that bring challenges? Yeah, you know, it, it creates a different environment, yeah. certainly. It was easy when it, there were two of us just to be able to communicate quickly and easily, but um, it certainly has changed the environment quite a bit, but we've been really fortunate. We have great cultural fits with everybody who's on the team now. And um, I would say it just has brought the enthusiasm level up. There are more of us 
that uh, can get excited about the things. Because we're I remember doing. when I first met you, I used to come to City Hall. That's where your office was, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then recently, I went to your new office, which was very impressive. So that was the reason for the move to, to sort of grow. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We we were outgrowing our space there. You know, we shared uh, space with uh, the Chamber of Commerce and the Court of a Community right. Council. Oh, and- so you were in that. Where they are. Yep, we were you, in that you suite. You had an office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a big improvement then. Yeah. Where you are now. Yeah. So we're, we're happy in our so, new location. So how closely do you work with the city? And then what department do you, like, is your go-to department? Yeah, so we work with the city closely. Um, economic development would be the department that we work yeah. with most so Amanda Norton. Yep, Amanda yeah. Norton. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know Micah Runner, yeah. who's assistant city manager there. Right. We obviously on on occasion are so working. the city manager's office department. That, yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, do they work closely with you? Are they supportive? I would imagine they probably are. Sure, they're very supportive, yeah. and um, we have a great working relationship with the city. We're you know really happy for that too right. because um, the impact of of tourism in the market is more substantial than many would think. Uh, because it's almost hidden in Rancho Cordova. Yeah. It's not that and we're, we're going to talk about that for sure. Yeah, because it's something that fascinates me. Um, so, do you are you you're not a city employee as such? Then no, we're a separate nonprofit you're, organization. Okay. Uh, we're a five hundred one c six nonprofit, and uh, so we're yeah separate from okay. the city. Okay. And then what about the Chamber of Commerce? Do you work closely with Diane Rogers, who's the president of that organization? We do. In fact, I hold a seat on her board of directors, and likewise, she holds a seat on our board of directors. Uh, We collaborate on many um, initiatives. And so, yeah, we work closely, you know, with the Chamber, and, you know, it's a really great relationship. So what is the the relationship? Because the Chamber is business. Mm Mm-hmm. And your tourism. So how does that, how do they mesh? How do they mesh? Sure. We're really, you know, we're both focused on economic development for the city. And with our opportunities, a lot of times we'll be just working with different partners, um, you know, to help enhance experience for groups coming to town and so forth. And so, yeah, whether it be a venue, whether it be, um, you know, restaurants that can benefit from these groups, or we work closely with the Barrel District, um, all of those types of things. So there's really some collaboration that takes place right. on the business level. Okay. Because there's no, like Sacramento, of course, has the, the convention center for conventions, but we don't have that, anything near that here, do we? Or do we? We don't. Yeah. That's, you know, we definitely are operating in a different world compared to a Sacramento, which does have that type of facility. But if a convention is coming to Sacramento, would you try and get the people to stay here in Rancho? So there are times when they have citywides, and that's a convention that really will fill not only hotel rooms in Sacramento, but will pour out to the suburbs. And in those cases, absolutely, we would be working to um, make sure that you know all of the attendees for these conferences have a place to stay and, and should certainly invite them here to Rancho Cordova. So one of the questions I have further in our discussion was, and I'll ask you now because it relates. Do you work closely with Visit Sacramento? So we work with a variety of uh, tourism bureaus around us, and Visit Sacramento is one of them. We work relatively closely uh, with Visit Sacramento on a number of issues, um, always try to stay in touch on what's happening right. in the region and so forth. And so, yeah, sure. Yeah. So what is a typical day at work for Mark Saposnik? Well, the great thing is the typical day almost doesn't exist. It's uh, everything. Is, it's so varied right. what will happen on a daily basis. So, um, you know, for instance, today 
we're working with uh, Cal Fire because the Mosquito Fire is taking place up right. the hill now. Uh, we are often, unfortunately, during these these fires, we become a, a base camp for Cal Fire and some of the other emergency So they're services. here again. I remember when they were here um, not long ago. Yeah. The National Guard were here, right? Yep. And we still have National Guard yeah. that came out during the uh, COVID um, pandemic that are still with us, wow. believe it or not, at this point. Wow. Um, so today, we're yeah, we're working to house, you know, 300, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're working to house 300 uh, five, Cal five, Firefighters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I came across a little fact, which was very, as they say in England, very la-di-da. So you were designated a CDME, which stands for Certified Destination Management Executive, which sounds very, very fancy to me, but it is the tourism industry's highest individual educational achievement. Am I right in that? Yes, that is yeah. correct. Uh, so tell us about that. What what does it mean and how do you attain something like that and what leads you to attain that? Sure. You know, there is a there are only a, about 400 people that yeah, have that's that, what I read, yeah. the certification. Um, and so it, it is prestigious and I'm very, you know, proud that, of the fact that I was able right. to take that program, take go through that program. So is it an educational it. type course? It is. Yeah. yeah, and it's actually it's you know multiple courses over right. the course of typically it's two years they will allow you up to four years to complete it and you're working with peers um in an educational environment um you know on issues that are relevant to all of these destinations and who is the manager of that like who is it yeah so it's destinations international is the organization that uh, is in charge of that particular uh certification and once you earn the certification then there's continuing education to maintain your certification as well. So it's not like you learn and you're done and you have your degree, so to speak. It's once you have the certification, then you have to keep going. You keep going. Yeah. You keep updating like a lawyer. You keep updating your knowledge. Exactly. Okay. Um, And we touched on the Barrel District, but Rancho Cordova is known for the Barrel District, which when I first came here, I was fascinated. What, What is the Barrel District? Obviously, I know very well now what it is. But it's basically six breweries of craft beers, still six. Yeah, so we've got, you know, the six breweries, but you've got a meadery, we've got two distilleries, and a kombucha shop now that just opened up. It's called Shorebirds. And that comes under the Barrel District? It does. Yeah. So let's start with telling our listeners, what is a meadery? Yeah. For those who don't know. Uh, Yeah, this is a great question. So mead is honey wine. This is kind of an old school thing that was very popular uh, in Europe and other places, you know, uh, many centuries ago. And, uh, you know, you may hear people clanking their glasses and saying, you know, ye old mead. And anyhow, this is, a, you know, uh, one of the things that they're being producing here through Strahd Meadery uh, is this honey wine. And it's flavored uh, typically with a fruit flavor. And it's quite delicious, actually. So it's almost a winery? Yeah. But just honey wine? Honey wine, yeah. Wow, okay. And the distilleries, you have J.J. Fister, which obviously I know very well. Gold River, I actually am not familiar with them. Sure. Uh, what do they do there? Yeah, you know, they've got they've got bourbons and, and other hard spirits that they're working with. Um, really terrific product and, and, you know, very tasty things that they mix up there. And I would absolutely recommend, you know, anybody who's in the region, 
get out and try J.J. Pfister and try the right. Gold River Distillery if you like the spirits. Right. Um, the drinks that they create are really fantastic, and um, it's really fun, a fun environment, too, to go in and taste. And how did the Barrel District come to be? I saw an article that is really not that long ago, right, that it came. So how did it come to be? Was that your brainchild? You know, and I would love to take credit, but it, it no. wasn't my credit to take. Right. In this case, uh, you know, Amanda Norton, who works with the city and the Economic Development Department, um, she kind of had the idea of, you know, we could create a district here. She saw that more and more of these um, breweries and distilleries were looking for a home here in Rancho Cordova. Uh, that we had a high number of them. And so really, it goes back to give her the credit. She yeah. She's the one who deserves it on that. Now, we are taking over much of the marketing this year for Barrel District. And so we've got a number of campaigns that are floating out there now uh, to encourage people to you know, participate in the events going on at the in Barrel District establishments. And, you know, you can get some great tastings going and we promote you know that activity there right. and we'll get into how you market everything because that's another thing that's very fascinating to me how important is the barrel district to the city i think the barrel district is very important i mean you look at what how other people are viewing the city and the barrel district has you know some notoriety at this right. point and uh, there have been a number of articles written on the establishments that are there you know these breweries and distilleries i think that it's it is kind of iconic for Rancho Cordova at this point to have this barrel district set right. up and really, yeah, is a great asset for but, us. But some of these breweries are a little tucked away. I've been to most of them, but they're a little, you know, off the beaten track, so to speak. So how how do they attract people yeah. to go to them? Right. Because so, they're destinations, right? They are destinations. They're not something you're going to walk and bump into it. Right, right. Yeah. No, a lot of them truly, yeah, as you mentioned, they are destinations. They can be hidden away in areas that you might be driving down the road and thinking, really, is there a, a brewery down here? And lo and behold, you get it's to the right end there. of the road yeah. and it, there it is. Yeah. Um, so they are kind of hidden away in some cases, but they um, they have their own uh, following here locally. You know, the regular denizens that come in from the community here. But we're trying to amplify that, too, and make sure that when people come in for events or people are here overall that they know what's happening in the Barrel District and can find the the locations. In fact, we have a Barrel District passport um, that's a free passport that offers, you know, discounts and other things for Barrel District um, that people can find on our website. Okay. Um, is that a selling point when you're selling the city? The Barrel District is a selling point? It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. And a very unfair question for someone in your position, but do you have a favorite? Ooh, this is a tough one. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I there are beers that I like at each one. That's the diplomatic side. Right. But, uh, yeah, you know, I I would say in terms of – I've been out to J.J. Fister quite a bit lately. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, but J.J. Fister is a little different because it's more spirits. Right. And they have a great restaurant. And it's it that's definitely more of a, a whole experience at J.J. Fister. Right, right. You know, some great craft drinks there, too. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah the lavender lemonade is fantastic. Right. Right. But uh, but in addition to that, I would say um, I, I love some of the uh, lighter beers that they have at Fort Rock. That's definitely a favorite. And Burning Barrel has some terrific um, some terrific beers as well. So if I'm – I live in Palm Springs and I want to come up with a beer – and I think, you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to be part of the Barrel District in Rancho Cordova. 
is the city going to sort of give me an incentive to come here or once you're here, you're part of the family and you go from there? How does it work? Yeah. So the city is, you know, set up to really help people who want to relocate their brewery or set up a brewery here in in the city boundaries. Um, They have a process and yeah, they do. They've had some incentives in the past. And I know that really what they do is help to expedite a lot of the, the permitting and processes that can help to get these businesses up and running quickly here in the city. Yeah. So switching gears, Rancho Cordova is also very well known for an event that's coming very soon, the Capital Air Show. And I know you're on the board of directors of that event. Let's talk a little about the event. Um, How did it start? How long has it been going? And how important, because I know a lot of people go to this event, so how important is an event like that from your perspective and the city? Yeah. So this is one of the biggest events in the region, period. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you typically this event will draw over 100,000 people over the right. course of a weekend. Uh, major event. Uh, historically, you know, they've had Blue Angels flying right. or the Thunderbirds from right. the U.S. Air Force. And so it's a, you know, it draws a lot of people and it's much more than just, you know, the air show portion of it. There are a lot of aircraft on the ground that you can actually walk through, get on them, right? Get on them, you know, talk to the pilots and so forth. Uh, There's actually STEM education that takes place at the event as well. There, yeah, it's really a, you know, a full day of activities when you head out to the air show. Uh, so, yeah, this this year, obviously, they'll have, uh, on October 1st and 2nd, the air show taking place out at Mather Field. Right. And that's where it's been from, from the beginning. It's, How long has it been going? Yeah, we're looking at, what, gosh, about, 15, it's running about 15 years. Oh, so it's been point. a while. Yeah. And is it one of the major air shows in the country? It is. It's yeah. ranked as one of the top five air shows in it the is. country, you know, based on attendance. Um, and historically has had, you know, really terrific uh, lineups for people to see. So it's well respected in the industry as one of the top shows. And we're so fortunate that it's right here in our backyard. And we're actually going to be talking to Darcy, who um, is the is the head of it, right? She's the she is uh, she and she's been at the helm for over a decade. She has. Yes. And uh, wow. so she knows all things aircraft. She does. Yeah. She's a pilot herself. She and, is. And is, uh, you know, fascinating. Um, she, she's done a terrific job yeah. with the air show. She's really taken it to new levels. Is that a city event or is it a private thing? This is a, so the air show itself is an, a 501c3, so a nonprofit. Right. And really their goal is to provide STEM scholarships to um, certain kids that are uh, maybe in a disadvantaged environment but are certainly worthy of a scholarship. So you say STEM, S-T-E-M? Yes. What does that mean? Yeah. So science, uh, technology, engineering, and math. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so they're really focused on these scholarships. That at the heart is what they're all about. So a lot of people don't know it's it's a nonprofit okay. that runs this, and they will provide these scholarships on an annual basis, uh, wow. which is really a great outcome from the show itself. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that Rancho Cordova has a, a moniker city of events, or am I dreaming that? Um, yeah, I mean, we have so many events that right. do take place here. You know, the Cordova Community Council, yeah. they they produce So, so tell us about some of more no, other notable events that happen. And we're going to be talking to Shelley soon, who yeah. runs Cordova Community Council. But from your point of view, what are some—I know you and I have talked— um, 
There was a bike one, there's yeah. a regatta. So tell us about some of those. Sure, yeah. So we do have uh, professional cycling events that take place here. In the past, we've had the Amgen Tour of California, which is a biggie. But we've also had uh, Rio Strada Racing put together USA Cycling sanctioned events. And those things are very you know popular and, and an annual um, something that happens annually here in the city. Um, so it's great to have that cycling uh, awareness here. Uh, we're a bicycle-friendly city as it goes anyhow, so this is kind of just adds to that. In addition, we have many rowing events that take place out at the Sacramento State Aquatic Center. These can be um, NCAA championships, uh, USA rowing events, so their national championships and so forth. Uh, but there are a number of college and uh, and junior level events that take place out there every year, and those are very big events for us. I mean, sometimes they have ten thousand spectators. They uh, are these yearly events or every so often? Er, these are yearly yearly events. Yes, that happen in the city of Rancho. Yeah, so it's happening yeah. actually at Lake Natoma, which is right on our border. But right. we work closely with the Sacramento State Aquatic. But Center. again, is where. You can capitalize on the hotels, and we're going to touch yep. on the hotel shortly. But you can capitalize on the hotels, absolutely, and yeah. the restaurants and everything here, absolutely. Which I would imagine is your goal. That is our goal to get people <laughs> to come to the hotels and in turn go to the restaurants and help everything. What is a designated tourism business improvement district? Yeah, and are we one? Meaning we, city of Rancho. And if so, who gives that designation and what does it mean? Sure. So we're a tourism business improvement district. So part of that uh, business improvement district uh, moniker that is out there, we are um, – so that designation, to set one of these up, it has to be driven by the businesses initially. And so in our case, it was the hotels that formed this uh, tourism business improvement district. Uh, requires a little over 50 percent uh, vote of the ownership of – and it's based on the number of hotel rooms that each hotel has. So you get over that 50% threshold, and then you can form. But there are other layers to it, and it does take a resolution of the city through the city council to formalize it. Right. And, but what does it mean? How does yeah. it benefit the city? Sure. So here's how it benefits the city is that it is the funding for this is coming from hotel guests right. that are staying at the right. hotels. There's a pass-through. of, In our case, it's 4.5% that comes through, and that's what funds our organization. So the guests are paying this entirely. This isn't taking anything from the, from city. the city. Yeah. Uh, it allows our organization to exist through that mechanism. And then in turn, we're able to generate more business for the city. For instance, you know, uh, in the past couple of years, we've generated on average about, and I should exclude 2020, but if you go back before that and, right. and just right. after that, about $250 million in economic impact. Wow. So did I hear you right? So you're, you're funded with 4.5% of TOT? No, you're, it's no? separate from TOT. Okay. Yeah, I can see where you would think that it would right, be right. TOT. The TOT is separate. So Visit Rancho is funded how? Through the T-bid assessment. Okay. And that assessment is what is passed through to the guests. So oh, I see. when a guest is staying, they right. will pay TOT. Right. 100% of that. TOT is transit occupancy tax. Yes, thank Which you. all hotels have to pay. Yes. Uh, you ha not the hotel. Anybody pays that at any hotel. Exactly. Yeah. 
You know, and then that funding actually, in our case, um, the portion that goes to the city goes into the general fund. Right. Uh, at this point, we don't receive one penny of that. That right. goes to help residents and right. provide for police right. and other services right. that take place in the city. And that's one of the great advantages of tourism for a city is that you have all of these funds that are right. generated, millions of dollars right. that go to the city. Yeah. Okay. Um Rancho Cordova is home to a lot of corporations. That's one thing I saw when I came here. And a lot of these corporations have their headquarters here. So they're actually headquartered here. Before the pandemic and the new work-from-home fad, which the pandemic brought, 70,000-plus people would come into the city every day to work. Is this an area that Visit Rancho is involved or was involved in? Is it something that interests you as part of your day-to-day operations, the, the amount of people that are coming into the city every day? Yes. So typically, you know, we have these larger companies like BSP, you know, some other significant right. partners that are out there. These businesses would bring in a large number of consultants or other people working with the organization that were staying in the hotels. So the business traffic that we saw here, you know, from business travelers represented – 80% of our market pre-pandemic. Right. Now, what happened with the pandemic is that's almost entirely reversed at this point. Right. It's 20% of our business now. Right. And the leisure traveler has kind of helped to fill in that other portion. Um, so we've really, it's changed the way that we market. Uh, it's changed our focus a little bit. But the business traveler, and because we are a business hub, that still remains very important right. for us here. And you don't have to be a business major or a tourism expert to understand that if people now are working from home, that's going to impact the restaurants and everything. It certainly does. You know, yeah. and, you know, for one of the things that we did early on when the pandemic hit, we fo- turned our focus where we're, normally we'd be marketing to all these different destinations, you know, places where we knew that we could draw people in. Well, we stopped all of that and really focused on supporting the businesses here and creating programs so that we would encourage people to uh, visit our, our restaurants here. Right. That was going to be really important. We wanted as many of them to make it through the pandemic as possible. Right. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we did lose a fair amount, right. uh, you know, in the city during the pandemic. I as mean, every city lost. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We really, you know, you saw it nationwide. Yeah. So the city, uh, like economic development, I know, was very involved in the pandemic in helping you know, residents and the hotels. Is the tourism branch, Visit Rancho, was that involved in helping people as well? We were, yeah. So we did a lot actually to help the hotels because what happened when the pandemic hit, we hadn't, we were running like an occupancy rate, you know, in the 70% range. Which is very good. Which is good. Yeah. And we went down to 14%. Whoa. Yeah. 14? 14 uh, now, we planned for Black Swan events. I never imagined we would hit a number like that. Wow. And um, so That's that, pretty damn because they got to keep their doors open if they don't close, right? Exactly. You keep your AC running and everything else. Yeah. And so this was a real challenge for the hotels. Uh, we worked closely with the hotels. Obviously, a lot of staff members were either furloughed or let go during this period. Um, some of the hotels let go of 80% of staff. That's a big number. And so we... We're there to say, hey, we need to get this business back, right? And we're going to help and do what we right. can. And we did work with groups like, you know, National Guard. FEMA set up an office. We were trying uh, to help su- uh, support any way we could um, 
to get these businesses back on their feet. And fortunately, we were able to do it in a relatively short time compared to some of the other destinations out there. So how does the National Guard and CAL FIRE... So Rancho Cordova houses the California Emergency Management Center, right? Yes. Am I right in thinking that? Mm -hmm. Um, I drove by one day and I thought, whoa, what is this place? So is that the reason why the National Guard would be here? Or is that something you actively went out to solicit? So uh, a little bit of each on that one, actually. The the fact that the Cal OES offices are here, uh, Office of Emergency Services, that they are based right here in our region right. makes a big difference. Right. So there were other agencies, too, California state agencies, and they wanted to be near the this building when the pandemic was really right. in its it, it, infancy and, and kind of everybody was wondering what's going to be happening. The governor was broadcasting, obviously, from there on a right. daily basis. Right. And so, yeah, so that is a big reason why yeah. people wanted to be here in this region. Uh, but there were other compelling reasons, too. The National Guard was helping out with overall um, pandemic relief. And, you know, FEMA was set up for certain emergency situations that were happening, too. We obviously, fires were continuing. Last year, we had that huge Caldor fire. Um, and so there were implications from that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we've been, uh, you know, a base camp for a lot of these organizations. As I and then a lot of, um, we'll call it the victims, because I guess they are people who lost their homes were all housed. In the hotels, right? Uh, many of them did, yeah. During the Caldor FEMA, fire. FEMA would house them? We had over 400 families staying with us here in Rancho Cordova during the Caldor fire. Um, we've got multiple families staying with us today that are evacuees of the Mosquito fire. And in fact, uh, today our staff is out delivering uh, bags, welcome bags, for these fire evacuees that give them some... <laughs> Um, toiletries, some other types of things, and uh, grocery cards so they can wow. get some groceries and just some things to make them feel welcome and know that we, you know, yeah. we, we know they're they're in uh, quite a bind here right now, being right. out of their homes. And I've seen these welcome bags. Where do you get them from? Are they contributed by the community, or how does that work? Yeah, it's a combination. We we purchase certain items on our own as uh, our own organization, but we. Uh, rely on the community to donate as well. And we have fantastic partners that have helped us to, you know, donate items for, for these evacuees. Oh, very nice. So while we're on the subject of hotels, that's one thing that Rancho, that I've seen, we have some very nice hotels here. Uh, given that, that, that downtown Sacramento, the capital, are so close and that we have so many quality hotels here, and I think the prices, we can safely say, Staying here is cheaper than staying in downtown Sacramento in a comparable hotel. Um, how important are the hotels to you in particular and to the city? And how do you visit Rancho work with the hotels? Yeah, so the hotels are primary stakeholders. You know, our job is to make sure that they stay as full as possible. Uh, and we work closely with them. We have a sales department that is fully operational now uh, uh, since the pandemic and we had went through our renewal um, and so I know this year you know they've generated well over a hundred leads to these hotels to provide business opportunities and that's really you know one of our main goals is to drive business but we also run a variety of campaigns we just finished up a campaign a digital campaign that drove over 3,000 room nights into the local hotels um, generated about four hundred and sixty thousand dollars in revenue and that was just from one campaign we've got multiple running wow. but those types of things too where 
you know, our real job. We want to make sure that people come and stay here. And then once they're in market, they understand what they can do, whether it be visiting a restaurant, barrel district, you know, with those types of things right. too. And, you know, even the, on the periphery here, you know, that they get a chance to visit gold country and, yeah. and experience our region. Right. I read that 800,000 guests stayed overnight in Rancho in 2018. Is that a correct number? That is a correct number. Yeah. yeah. And does that number still hold today? And what do you do to try and capitalize that this stays the same or best case goes up? Because that's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a, that's more, a million almost. I mean, yeah, it's a good number of people. Yeah. And a lot of people who live in Rancho Cordova probably have no idea that that many people are right. visiting. No, I certainly region. didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And it's because it's not something you would see on a regular basis, right. but they're they're in and amongst us for sure. So what are the people doing? Like, I, I mean, let's call it a million people. What are they doing here? Are they visitors, like tourists, or are they from the corporations that are here for a night or two? Are they visiting Sacramento and decide to stay here because twenty minute driving you're there? Like, who are they? Yeah, no, that's great, and this is a good question. So pre pandemic, we had a lot of business travelers that were staying with us, and and they could be on a contract with one of the companies for months at a time. It was very common to see a business traveler staying. You know, it could be three months um, at one during one stay. And that was a big part of the business that was here. We also had just the independent contractors that come in for a few days, those types of things as well. That was huge for our market. And then we had, you know, about 70 events running in the community. And we touched on, you know, the air show, which brings in room nights. But there are multiple events that bring in room nights, the rowing events and so forth. All of these bring in, you know, potentially thousands of room nights into the region. So through these types of events, we really, you know, work closely with the hotels to make sure that they're capturing these guests and, and providing that opportunity. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting to see the the dynamic there with um, what happened during COVID because everything shut down. Nobody was traveling for a long period of time. And, in fact, we were prohibited legally from marketing, you know, in the early stages. During COVID? Of, yeah. In the really? early stages of the pandemic, you may recall that, you know, they really didn't want people even traveling right. from county to county uh, and all of that. So it really limited what we could do. So we regrouped. And then when we were able to start some marketing, we would we were very targeted in where we were going to go. And we knew that leisure traveler, uh, the leisure traveler would be the, the main focus of our right. campaigns. And then the number's still the same, 800,000? You know, Can you quantify that? How do you know? Yeah. Do so the hotels report? They Yeah, so it's a combination of reporting. Um, we have some great data and statistics that we can work with. Uh, we know, you know, total number of room nights is pretty easy, and we know average number of people per room per night, and that's how we get to this figure. Um, so it's pretty clear and easy to understand how you get to over 800,000 yeah. people in the market. We dropped well below that right. during the pandemic, but we are back. Right. And, uh, and the pandemic was 2020, or did it spill over into 2021? It spilled over into 2021. If you uh, recall, there were, you, the Delta virus right. was raging in 2021. Because right. everything opened in July. Yeah. And then Delta came, and then Micro, or whatever the hell it was. That all came, and that shut everything back down again. Abs yeah, that, yeah, that happened, and um, it was really difficult to see that. I thought we were in the clear at that point, and then here comes another you know, variant. Right. So. We're talking with Mark Saposnik, CEO and president of Visit Rancho Cordova. 
And when we come back from a quick break, we'll ask Mark what the future holds for travel and tourism in our city. But first, let's take a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by the CalCap Film Studios in Rancho Cordova. Video is one of the most progressive and cost-effective ways of getting your message seen and heard. It's hands down the best way to capture your audience and generate sales in today's digital world. CalCap Film Studios provides corporate, industrial, and commercial video production services that will propel your business towards success in today's digital frontier. At CalCap Film Studios, we know what you need and will inspire your audience with a message that's unique to your brand and business. For more information, call 916-706-2000 or visit www.calcapfilmstudios.com. And we're back with Mark Zaposnik from Visit Rancho. And before the break, we were discussing some of the highlights of your everyday job and what you do. So now let's move on. So Rancho Cordova is the 28th most diverse city in the U.S., and it's home to over 90 languages. So that's a a veritable melting pot of cultures and attractions. Does Visit Rancho capitalize on this fact? And if so, how? Yes. So this is one of our great assets is the diversity of our community. Um, I think it speaks in a larger sense, really, to kind of what America is about, you know, bringing different cultures together and and bringing them together and living in harmony. I mean, that's the key part of it, too. Right. You know, and so we have, you know, great representation here of all these different cultures. It makes for a more interesting dining experience. It makes for a more interesting cultural experience when you can get out and and see these different types of festivals that, uh, you know, you might not have in other communities that aren't as diverse. Uh, And just our people, you know, we have such an amazing group of people that live here. Uh, I think it is one thing that we talk about frequently in our marketing is how diverse we are. Sometimes we tout ourselves as like a mini Toronto. Right, right. You know, with just all these cultures coming together. Uh, But because of that, yeah, we have some unique offerings to uh, give to people who are coming from other places. So we had touched on some marketing that, and this is something which I think is fascinating, and not only to me, but to people. So I would think that as part of your workflow, you spend a lot of time promoting the city of Rancho Cordova. So can you give us an overview of how do you do this and what are your specific goals when you promote the city further afield? How does it work? Yeah. So this is, you know, really at the core of what we do. And uh, I had mentioned earlier, we're working, you know, with Cal Fire today and so forth. But a lot of what we do is focused around this marketing and how are we going to go about it. We work with um, some top tier agencies that help us with some of the, the marketing efforts as well. But a lot of it has to do with the, you know, the data that we can get. We have real-time data that we have access to that tells us where the visitors are coming from, where they're moving about within the city, uh, and um, you know, what really understanding where they are coming from and why they're coming here helps us to develop our programs that we, in turn, put out there via Google Display Networks or whether it be SEM campaigns. Um, social media advertising, uh, which we can do some different things on that front as well. But, it, you know, in combination, it really creates a nice, powerful voice out there getting into specific markets to really draw people in. So I lived in Palm Springs for many, many years. And just recently closed my ties there, and now I'm here. But I know Palm Springs very well. I lived there for 20 years. Palm Springs is a big tourism city. You know, it's 
very hot in the summer. And I remember when it would just be closed in the summer and then in the winter, everybody comes. But now it's become a year-round destination. And I'm very familiar with the marketing sort of campaigns that they do. They target places that are typically cold. So Chicago Mm -hmm. and Canada. Who do you target to come here? How do you do that? So pre-pandemic, we we were in markets in Canada and other places to draw people down because relatively speaking, we are warm in the wintertime compared to an Alberta, Canada, where we would have people come down. We literally had them. Yeah, they'd come into the office and say, oh, yeah, it's, you know, incredibly cold up there in uh, northern Alberta, but here it would be 70 degrees, for instance, in the wintertime, which they thought was heavenly. But what's the hook here? In Palm Springs, there's a hook. There is. There's the desert, and there's a lot of attractions. Yeah. What's the hook here? Is it Sacramento? The hook is the entire region. Yeah. Yeah. So it is Sacramento. I mean, you can visit the Crocker Museum or the the train museum. We have these great things, professional sports. Right. Uh, And you go for a day trip to Tahoe, right? You can go for a day trip to Tahoe. San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a destination that many people yeah. take a day trip to. Yeah. Um, we have great wineries just up the hills right. here in the in the foothills. Napa is 40 minutes from here? Yeah, a little yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. You, that's a, a phenomenal destination in its own right as well, obviously. But there are so many things that are close to us here that we, we're really hub and spoke uh, and that we want people to come here. We know that they're going to travel about uh, once they get here, but we feel like this is a great place to to set up and, and kind of create your vacation space and then venture out to all of these activities that are, you know, very much in the, the California vibe, for sure. And as I'm researching for this show, I came across, um, is it a bachelor? Was um, A bachelor thing for men? You can't, oh, or, what was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've, we have. We've, so do you, but my point is, do you sit with your team and think, okay, what what's our next thing let's come up with a bachelor tour or sure like, do you come up with things like that yeah we do you know there are we have so many different assets here within the city and we do look at you know who would come here and why that's right. a you know question we ask right. every day right uh and so in some cases yeah it could be that you have bachelor parties that make sense for them right. to come here and there's they've got some clubs that they can visit right, and right. so forth uh so you've got that type of thing we do a lot of indian weddings here too within the city limits really? and those are large typically 400 500 people right. sometimes um so those are big yeah. too but uh, there are a variety of things that that people do here with so you're the always city. coming up with ideas brainstorming ideas yes yeah okay now, i've known you since i've been here so three years now and i know you attend many travel and tourism related conventions around the country because you tell me that you're attending them. What happens at these conventions from your point of view? And what are you looking for when you attend? Yeah. So there there are a variety of different types of conferences and conventions. And some of them are focused on education. It may be continuing education for the CDME program that was mentioned earlier. Uh, Some of them are really business acquisition, meeting with meeting planners. It could be bringing executive meetings to our town or other types of meetings. Some of them are meeting with media uh, for instance, we went to a convention in June uh, that was called IPW. It's a very large convention, international in scope. And um, one of the days I had a chance to meet with media during this um, this conference, well, now we have these media visits that are taking place as a direct result from that conference. We've got uh, an editor coming in for its uh, Travel and Wine magazine from Mexico, and she's going to be here next month. And those types of things, you know, are a direct 
directly attributable to when those. When you go to these conventions. Yeah. yeah. So we're trying to get, whether it be media attention, we're trying sometimes to get actual business to come here. We work with tour operators so that, you know, bus tours can come and base here. Uh, and then, yeah, and some of it's education. I really feel strongly that we want the best educated team that we can have. And so we want to make sure that they're up to speed on the latest technology, uh, the latest best practices and so forth. So, yeah. And then you obviously meet people like you from other like cities, I would think. Yes. So there's an exchange of ideas. Yes. You know, and California is really unique in that everybody is so open here in this industry. And you can talk to one of the other CEOs and they'll be very open about kind of what their plans are, some things that they've seen. Um, and, and I really love that about the industry. I think it's unique in that regard that there's so much openness, you know, at the executive level and other levels too, uh, that you wouldn't find in other industries. People would be a lot more protective, I think, if you were looking at a variety right. of industries. Right. But in hospitality, people are- Everybody shares. Everybody shares yeah. and is open. Yeah. You know- well, it's a fun. It's a fun business. It's a right? fun business. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you worked in the Lake Tahoe travel and tourism space, and um, part of the work that you did there, I happen to know, you came into contact with the film industry. Yes, because Lake Tahoe is a sought-after location for films, TV, and commercials. In fact, I think the latest Top Gun had several scenes that were shot in the El Dorado section of Lake Tahoe. In your opinion, and this is something obviously that we have in common, in your opinion, how important is the film industry to a city? And then why is that based on the experiences that you had in Tahoe? Yeah, I think it can be incredibly important uh, for a city for a variety of reasons. You know, like you just mentioned, uh, you know, that uh, Maverick, the latest Top Gun right. movie, was filmed. Uh, they filmed big ses sections of it right. up there in uh, uh, near Lake Tahoe. Right. Well, that creates a lot of buzz, right? You know, um, and it, it's a but that's obviously a very big film with Tom Cruise and mm -hmm. but you know the smaller independent films. Did you come across those in Tahoe when yes. you were when you were in doing what you were doing? Yeah, you know, back at the time I was at Lake Tahoe, Beverly Lewis was over at Placer Valley, right, or Placer County, I should Placer say, County, yeah. yeah. And she was their film commissioner. We right. worked closely with her on a right. variety of shoots. Some were small, some were yeah. even commercials. Right, we did a Sony Blu-ray commercial right. I recall and um, a whole variety of uh, we did an Apple commercial up there but those types of things help I mean you're talking about big economic impact for the community uh, even with a commercial the Sony for instance the Sony commercial they brought 50 people with yeah. them uh, for and multiple could be days. there for a week. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you consider that and the yeah. catering that goes right. with it and all of the other things there there's a lot to it i mean you know and even car rentals and other right. things like that so it's a great benefit to have these right. things in town well i produce films and the biggest chunk next to your payroll is hotels yeah and the film i did here in placer county was like a two hundred thousand dollar hotel bill in four weeks right and I mean, then food you got to feed everybody and if it's a union film you have to have a hot meal yeah, which you have to have a caterer, and it just goes on and on and on. Filmmaking is very expensive, so, um, but okay, so it, it you you feel that it is an important segment of Absolutely. any city, yeah, yeah. I think you know, in particular, I think there are real opportunities here, and that's why I'm so glad that you're here in this role. To be honest, that this this is a, a great place for filmmakers right. to base right uh, again affordable yeah. hotels right. and so much uh, so many different types and of the environments ease of 
of travel to where they would film. Exactly. Which, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you work with many of the restaurants, or is that something you leave to economic development, or is the restaurants part of your sort of agenda? Yeah, the restaurants are part of our our wheelhouse and our, our role here because the city has a lot of restaurants. The city has and a nice lot of ones. Uh, yes, yeah. the city has a lot of restaurants and a lot of nice ones. And the um, it, when you look at it too, a traveler typically will spend more on food and beverage than they do on the hotel room. Right, um, and that is an important piece that I think a lot of people miss often too. Is that hey, when these guests are coming, they really can help support restaurants. And so we work closely with the restaurants to make sure that we're driving business their direction when we have these visitors in town. So when you're promoting the city, are you, do you pick and choose depending on the marketing plan that you're doing on the restaurants or are you just generally promote? We will include virtually anybody. Anyone? Yeah, we have a partnership program and encourage you know anybody who has a restaurant now that would like to be part of it to contact us because at this point it's still free for right. these restaurants to get involved and, and get some recognition yeah. and have our sales team promoting that. Right, right. Uh, it's free, free marketing. Free marketing, yeah. yeah. If you could do one visitor-related thing in Rancho Cordova that doesn't happen now, what would that be? Like a music festival? Like you could do whatever. A music festival, would it be a larger type of festival, a car race? Like what would you like to do? If, if we had a magic wand, then you could do it. Yeah, this is a wonderful question. I love music, so a music festival a music festival would be right up right up my alley. And I would feel like it would be a really great thing for our destination to, to have something along those do lines. Do we have the, the logistics to do that? We have some of the logistics. If you look at uh, like what Shelley Blanchard does right. with Cordova Community Council out at uh, out at Hagen Park on right. the Fourth of July, right. they're able to get several thousand people in there and have a concert. Right, and those are you know those could be really great shows. Right. Um, I, I feel like that's a potential venue, but it, it there still are some issues in terms of you know with that venue being utilized on a regular basis and so forth so i think there are opportunities for our destination to create better spaces for these things to happen you know over time and hopefully right. we'll see that you know i know that there's going to be a 400 seat performing arts venue that's coming in with the city's plans right. here uh, for their for their upcoming civic right. center uh, but I would love a music festival. We had talked about a comedy festival at one point. I think that would be really terrific. Uh, the documentary film festival, which you, you've started here in this right. region, is a great starting point. And, right. you know, when you see what that means for other communities, I think there's a, a lot of possibility with right. that. Are you familiar with book festivals like the L.A. Time Festival of Books? Do you know what they are, the Miami Festival of Books? Yeah, I've attended the L.A. Festival of Books yeah. uh, numerous times. And, uh, yes, very so familiar with that. So that's something that I haven't interest in because i'm a big book person i worked in that industry sacramento does not have a book festival believe it or not so it's the capital of california and there is no viable book festival in this city in this region i think that would be the one to to really target would be a viable festival of books which you could call the sacramento region as long as we put Rancho Cordova in there. Is that something that you think would be possible? 
and that would be supported? Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a terrific event to take place here. As somebody who is a big fan of books myself, you right. know, an English major and an right, avid right. reader. Hey, I, we could publish your book and you could uh, launch it. <laughs> there you go. Right. Um, but I think for, you know, for a multitude of reasons, yeah, that would be a really terrific event to, to bring to our region. Right. So we're almost out of time. Um, so let me ask you one final question. And we have touched on this, but maybe we can just elaborate a little bit more. Our neighbor, the city of Sacramento, has its own Visit Sacramento. Do you work and liaise with them in any way? And if so, is it collaborative? Or do you guys check in with each other? Like, do you call? I think I, I used to know her name, and I do know it. If you told me, I would remember. And what are the cities that border us? For example, Folsom. Is that a big city? That you would work it, or is it Elk Grove? What other cities are important? Sure, in the tourism world. Yeah, so Sacramento—they're the biggest city in the region. So what they do is very important to the overall region. Uh, you know, the marketing that they do, kind of the focus that they take. They do have the convention center down there, and all of that. And so we do uh, work with uh, work with visit uh, Sacramento on certain events, when l larger events and so forth. And we also, you know, collaborate with them occasionally on some tour operator outreach and so forth um you know they have a great team down there and so but we, do you guys talk i asked the city manager do you talk to other city managers and he said well actually not to take credit but that's a program i started where we check in with each other the mayor told me that he does talk to other mayors do you talk to other people in your position in other cities i do you know we've uh, i meet with about eight ceos of tourism bureaus on a monthly basis, um, and these are ones that are in the region, so it's Folsom. It could be up in Gold Country. Some of those, Stockton is another one. Uh, so and yeah, we, just a swap of ideas. And, exactly. Yeah. We kind of get on a call, talk about what's happening in the market and what what they're up to, what we're up to. And so, yeah, it's, it's very collaborative in that regard, and uh, we're very supportive of our communities around us. Folsom is one of the communities that's very important for us because we work with them closely on the rowing events. Uh, we are usually co-sponsors of these major rowing events, and so those room nights are often split between Rancho Cordova and Folsom. And so we have a very good working relationship with their tourism bureau there as well. Their tourism bureau is who? Like the chamber? Uh, so they have actually it's part of their overall Folsom partnership. Okay, um, but they do within that have a tourism <clears throat> bureau, and Sally Buchanan is has just okay. taken the reins. Uh, Marianne McAlee had that role for gosh, right. you know, quite some time, right. and now Sally's at the okay. helm. Well, we're finally at the end. And thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, but we always end these podcasts in a fine, light-hearted way. We get to know everybody with a lightning round of fun questions so are you ready yes okay so tell us one word that best describes you composed composed i would agree with that if you could be one person for a day besides yourself who would it be and why yeah so i mentioned skiing early on right. ingemar stenmark he was a legendary skier you know best male skier of all time I wouldn't mind stepping into his shoes, uh, you know. For a day? For a day. I think yeah. that would be nice. Yeah. As long as you could be as good as him. Yes. Yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve? Um, it really probably comes down to intolerance. People often are so eager to criticize or jump on people for different things. 
And I feel like we can all do a little bit better to be a little bit kinder. Right. I agree. Especially these days. Yeah. Do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents? Well, my gosh, I, I'm hoping I'll still explore uh, my inner workings and discover some more hidden talents. But I do like to paint. Um, you do? Yes. And so I, I don't do as much of that as I uh, have in, in previous years lately, but I would love to get back to that. So if you bring that up as a hidden talent, are you good? Not great. No. But I love it. You do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what project are you working on today that you can't stop thinking about? Yeah. So I think that, you know, we're building a lot of opportunity on the business front. And I think, you know, that is something that um, I'm very excited about what the future will be for Rancho Cordova. We've got a new hotel opening next right. month. I think there's great opportunity in this region to expand the number of hotel properties. Right. We know that developers are interested. And so I think that really looking forward to what this destination can be right. and that we can enhance it over time is, is my biggest. The new hotel, I think I, it was on um, Folsom on the other side of Sunrise on the left. Is that the one? That is the one. Yeah, yeah it'll be a Marriott Town Place suite yeah. with 117 rooms. Wow. And uh, they're planning to open on October 13th. Of this year? This year. Really? Yeah. Ooh. So it's coming. Yeah. And then did I read correctly that the Double Day um, or the Double Tree is turning into studio apartments? Yeah. Did I read that correctly? That was something, you know, that was brought to our attention here just a few weeks ago, really, that, that their potential for that. To and be... that's just to, for affordable housing. Right. Which on the, on the, in the surface, on the face of it, it seems like a good idea if the hotel... That was a little tucked away, isn't it, the double tree? It is a little bit tucked away, and, you know, there's a huge push, and, and rightly so, in California to develop more housing right. units for, um, you know, we have obviously a huge homeless issue in this state. Right. Uh, it's nationwide, but right, in California, right. it's, yeah. it's particularly acute. Right. And so I think it's great that they're, you know, looking at different opportunities. We would love to keep these hotels as hotels because we know that there's going to be plenty of future business right. in our hotels. Um, so from that perspective, disappointed to see that happen. Um, but again, you know, glad but it is happening. Is I'm not imagining it. No. Yeah, I haven't had full confirmation no. on that, so I don't want to uh, right. fully verify that yet. Right, right. But uh, my understanding is that it, yes, it's likely going yeah. to convert. Okay. And then finally, a very unfair question that I've asked everybody, and I've realized how unfair it is for people in your position. But what is your favorite restaurant in Rancho Cordova? Yeah, so I have a few. Yeah. But I would say um, really my favorite one is uh, Sharzad, which is a Persian restaurant off of Sunrise Boulevard, little just, you know, kind of tucked away in a little bit of in a strip mall. And the food is excellent. You know, they really a great Persian food, but great Mediterranean dishes wow. as well. Uh, I'd highly recommend, you know, that you get a chance to, if you get a chance, get yeah, over yeah. there and try that. What's it called? Uh, Sharzad. Okay. Yeah. It's on Sunrise? It's on Sunrise. Okay. Well, Mark, that's about all we have time for. Again, thank you for your time. I know you're very busy. Mark Saparsnik, President and CEO of Visit Rancho. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And we, we cross paths all the time, but um, it's sort of a mystery what we all do. And now we really understand what you do. And I especially enjoyed getting to know what you do and, and about Visit Rancho. So there you have it. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. Until next time. 
If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego. Mm-hmm.